Okay, hello, my beautiful beans of life. I just want to start with saying I'm so sorry that I didn't get an episode out last week. It's been it's been a bit of a shambles the last two weeks for me. I'm going to go into a little bit more detail in just a second. But I was away. I was on holiday with my whole family. And then, like, we extended the holiday a bit further, myself and Tyrone, um, down in Tasmania. It was so incredible. And I had actually scheduled episodes in advance to go live and they did go live the first week but then the second week there were some complications without boring you with the details it just didn't happen so I'm here I'm here now and thank you for being patient with me I appreciate it anyway the one thing that I really did want to talk about with you guys is the fact that Tyrone proposed to me um well two weeks ago now I'm recording this on a Sunday so two weeks ago and I still have not recorded an episode prior to that engagement to tell you guys all about it so I'm going to tell you the whole story of the engagement it's probably going to be like not that long but if you are new here and you don't give a flying fuck about my personal life then you can go and fast forward to the eight minute 25 mark to listen to to the episode content. So some of you have been listening to this podcast for quite a while and it was at the end of 2020 where I had Liv on the podcast, my best friend Liv, and we were discussing the fact that I was about to go on a date or I'd just gone on my first date or something like that and it was like this big thing um, and that was with a date with Tyrone and that was my first date with him was in November of 2020 so it's been a year and about four or five months since we've been since we started dating and I've kind of taken you guys along the journey kind of like drip feeding bits and pieces of stories with Tyrone here and there and the other day He proposed, we are now engaged, which is a crazy, crazy concept for me because to be dead honest, for many different chunks of my life, I was like, I don't even know if I'd ever get married. Um, I'm all for it, good times, here here for the wedding bells, but at the same time, I'm so – to me, I look at marriage as being something that if both parties – are super invested and super involved and I want the marriage and really love it, then I'm all for it. But at the same time, my opinion of marriage is very flippant when I see people being disrespected or abused. I don't I don't look at marriage as something that has to be sacred until the day you fucking die, until death do us part. So my relationship with the concept of marriage is if the relationship is beautiful and there's respect and deep love and you both want to be married, I'm here for it and I love it. Um, but Apart from that, I don't, yeah, I don't want to seem like a sour person, but that's how I've always viewed marriage, you know, like I don't think it should be something that you should torture yourself with forever just because you made some vows and signed a fucking legal piece of paper. Anyway, so having said that, I was like, am I ever going to be married? What's, you know, what's the deal? Am I going to find someone that makes me want to be married? And then enter Tyrone. He's been amazing. He's an incredible person partner but also to be honest I don't think I'd have the relationship that I have with Tyrone had it not been for all the other relationships I've had in the past and I think that the same goes for him I actually think that for our specific journey and for the relationship that we have today the relationships in our past have benefited us both greatly and I wouldn't change any of the relationships that he had or that I had in order to get to where we are today. I think it's been really good. And a lot of what I talk about in today's episode, you're going to, I can very much relate to big time, like how I argue and how I disagree. I've evolved and I've learned a lot and I've swallowed my pride a lot and become a much better person because of my past. And I think Tyrone is the same. Anyway, so I've found my fucking match. He's an absolute legend. Honestly, I'm on the same page with him and I just see him as one of the most beautiful people that I've ever met in my life. 
And he, this is how the whole thing happened. This is how the engagement unfolded. A few weeks ago, Tyrone, and I think I mentioned this on my podcast, but Tyrone had said, oh, keep the weekend free. I'm going to organise something. And I thought we were just going to go down maybe to Wollongong or whatever just to hang out. And he had actually surprised me by flying my parents down from, organising to fly them down from Brisbane and just have them here in Sydney for the weekend. So I was so wrapped by that. I was so excited. Got to spend the weekend with my family. But he had actually flown them down to ask them for their approval, which I think is really cute. Um, But, yeah, he asked both my mum and my father individually what they thought about it. Obviously, they approved. Um, And that that was a few weeks ago. I obviously had no idea that that was all unfolding. And he had been sending photos of ring ideas to my mum, to live, to friends of his. So he had been, like, brewing this idea for a while now. And on Sunday, a few days, on the Sunday that he proposed, which is two weeks ago, a few days before that, he said to me, he's like, look, on Sunday lunch, my grandfather, his granddad's name's George, he's like, it's George's birthday, which it was on the Monday. So it wasn't like, it it really was George's birthday the following day. And he's like, and we're going to do a lunch in like Mossman or Manly, somewhere around there. And Tyrone's got this... Um, like a speedboat and he's like we're going to get in the boat and go across and because you can anchor the boat there and you can just walk up some stairs and there's a beautiful restaurant there I'm like oh that's so lovely yeah whatever keen so I was recording a podcast with my cousin Lorena then I'm quickly quickly getting ready for this lunch Tyrone picks me up and we head over get in the boat and I'm like oh where where are your parents and he's like oh no they're just going to meet us at the restaurant with George I'm like yeah cool that like it all sounded normal I wasn't suspecting anything we head over on the boat and we get to a place and if you guys are from Sydney you guys will know where it kind of you may know where it is but it's this little beach which is if you're looking at the it's to the right of Taronga Zoo um, just like one of those harbour beaches anyway so we pull up there he anchors the boat and he's helping me get out of the water jump out into the water we're walking onto the beach and I see this really adorable picnic set up like on the grassy area of the beach and just behind it are the stairs that kind of go up into a national park and so we're walking up and I'm walking to the fucking stairs, as you do when you're heading to a lunch in a national park. Well, it turns out there isn't – I don't even think there's a restaurant up there. Like, come to think about it in hindsight. Anyway, so I'm walking up, but Tyrone's walking, like, very close to this picnic setup. Anyway, so I'm walking closer and closer, and it all happens so quickly that I'm looking at the picnic setup, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's so beautiful. And I said it to him. I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful. And then it, he stops right at the picnic and walks me right up to it. And then I'm like, oh – In my head, I'm like, is this picnic for us? What's happening to George's lunch? And I'm like pausing there and I'm like, oh, is this, oh. And then he literally like didn't hesitate, didn't pause. He literally grabs my hand. I turn around. He got down on one knee and he was like, will you marry me? And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What are you doing? Poor, poor fucking guy. I'm like, what are you doing? What? I'm so confused. And then it was like, will you marry me? The second fucking time. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what are you doing? What's happening? What the fuck is happening? And then he had to lit- – and then he stood back up. <laughs> he stood up and the third time he's like, will you marry me? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, obviously I'll marry you. I had, he had to ask three times before I said yes because I was so surprised, so shocked, so overwhelmed. I had no idea what was going on. Anyway, puts the ring on my finger. We sit down to have this picnic and I'm literally – sitting down is so shocked so like not processing things at the rate that I should be processing them at and I sit down and then I'm looking at Tyrone and I'm like but like what about George's birthday and he's like that's not happening that was never a thing I just organized this so it would throw you off the scent anyway so that's how it happened it was a fucking beautiful day I was calling everyone the whole fucking family all these fun it was just amazing 
People were crying. My cousin Giselle in particular was sobbing on the phone. Love you, Giselle, so much. Um, it was honestly just awesome. So that was the engagement story. It was a big surprise and I'm really glad that I get to share it with you guys, especially if you guys – I'm guessing that the people that have stayed on to listen to this little segment are my kind of like more longer-term listeners that care to listen. But, yeah, thought I'd want to share that little story with you guys. Anyway, let's get into the episode of today, which is all about steps to repair after a fight in a relationship. So what I did to get some data for this episode was I actually reached out to you guys, my burns, my listeners on my uh, Instagram, and I asked you a few questions. I did a couple of votes and then I also asked you the main question, which was what do you struggle the most with when arguing with a partner? And then based around, and I had hundreds of replies, so thank you so much for sending in everything. I really do appreciate that. So there's a whole bunch of things that were sent through, but there were many strong, strong themes that repeated themselves again and again and again. And so many of you go through the exact same thing when arguing with a partner. And the way, the reason I worded it that way, because I want to know, do you struggle with how they behave or react? Or do you struggle with how you respond to something in an argument? So some things that people said were specific to what their partner does or specific to what they do. So I'm going to address, I think I'm addressing around like 10 or 11 of the key most common themes that were raised in that. But I also did want to share with you some stats with um, another question that I asked. And the question was, how do you, what are you most likely to do in an argument? The options were get on the attack, retreat and not know how to communicate or not know um, how to get what you want across to the other person. And then the other one was, where you don't know what to say at all in an argument. And the split was like this. 41% of you who answered the survey get on the attack in an argument, 41%, okay? A close second, which was 36% of you, retreat and don't know how to communicate what you want. So you know what you want, but you just don't know how to get it across. You draw blanks. You don't know what what to say. And 23% of you didn't even know what to say at all. So it's not that they knew what to say but couldn't get it across. They just had no idea what to even say or do, okay? And everything that I talk about here is actually going to help you understand why that happens to you, why you either get on the attack, why you struggle to communicate or why you don't know what to say at all. Okay. And then lastly, the one that I, another thing that I asked was, what do you wish your partner did differently in an argument? And the main ones were discuss things calmly, understand where I'm coming from, listen and revisit things when we have both calmed down. I wish they stopped using you statements as in accusations or probably name calling and things like that. I wish they didn't get angry. Um, Sit down and talk instead of name calling. Work with me to find a solution and listen what I have to say instead of working really hard to prove me wrong on everything. So those were the main things kind of – you know, recurring themes in that question of what do you, what do you wish your partner did differently in an argument? And I think that most of us can relate to this either in our current relationship or in another relationship in the past. Now, before I go into the main point of this episode, which is all about things you struggle with the most um, while arguing with your partner, I did want to remind you, it's a little simple reminder, but it comes up in most of my podcasts, that everything that you hear me say today, try and make it reciprocal in the sense that for everything you accuse your partner of, just take a hard look in the mirror and be really honest and ask yourself, 
if you do it. And not just if you do what you accuse them of, but if you do any of what I mentioned in this episode, okay? You don't have to say it out loud, but awareness of yourself is so crucial for both parties to meet in the middle and have a really good, healthy relationship. A healthy relationship isn't necessarily one where there's no conflict, no arguments. That doesn't mean it's a healthy relationship, but it's one where there is repair. Conflict without repair equals damage to the relationship. Conflict with repair equals a safe space and an intimate relationship, okay? So no repair equals damage with repair, safe space and intimacy. Now, you can probably take a whole bunch of these pointers that I say and apply this to arguments that you have within a friendship, arguments you have with your parents or with your children, siblings, family, and arguments that you have within the workplace. But obviously, I'm talking about the most common kind of argument which does happen in relationships because they're the person that you're sharing most of your time with. They're the person that you're probably going to get most frustrated with because you might be living with them or whatever. Okay. Now, what I'm going to do is just read out just a slither of the many answers that came in and then I'm going to go through the 11 main ones and give advice or, you know, give you a different way of looking at it or give you an understanding of why you feel that way or why your partner might be behaving the way they're behaving. Okay. So here's just a a bunch of answers from you guys. Partner gets defensive on stuff that is carefully worded not to be an attack. Crying. I cry all the time. The names he calls me. I hate it. Him needing space or a night apart. It feels like the worst thing ever. Organizing my thoughts and feelings to the point where I'm too overwhelmed to say anything. I'm scared to say how I feel because I then get because the, my feelings then get in, in, invalidated. Focusing on the pressing issue and not bringing up the past slash buried hurts. Struggling to get my point across without sounding like I'm always the right one. Being too emotional. Hand, how to handle when they get on the attack. Being able to communicate what I'm actually feeling. Remembering my stance, it's like it just disappears and then I just have to agree. Feelings of abandonment. Anxiety that my honest opinion will hurt slash upset or anger my partner, so I say nothing instead. Their anger. I'm not used to anger being expressed so much in other relationships I've had. Them not taking accountability. Not crying. Name calling. The pointless once you're so far into the argument. Being vulnerable and crying. Why do I always cry during a discussion even when I'm not sad or threatened? Never receiving the same effort. Any issue I bring up is seen as, as an argument. Regulating my emotions and not acting on them. We don't argue. We are just passive aggressive for three days. Um, my partner thinks I'm too sensitive when, when I voice how I feel about any issue. And lastly, feelings of my partner overpowering me. So as you can see, you might relate to one, two or all of the above or some of the above. And there were a lot of repeated things in there. There was a lot of common themes in there and a bunch that I didn't say, but that kind of somehow tied into the following 11 that I'm going to go through now. So let's get straight into it. Let's focus on how we can actually repair after a fight because it is crucial to understand that when you are actually working on a relationship, you have to ask yourself, what am I trying to go for? The greater good of the relationship or the greater good of myself? And I'm not saying that one is better than the other. You're going to come across certain situations where you have to put yourself first 
and you know there, there there might be toxic situations, abusive situations, or situations that might just go completely against your morals or your code of ethics, and you absolutely cannot back down, which is fine. But then you also have to understand that there's many times where you have to look at the greater good of the relationship. So this is going to help you kind of determine what battles to fight and how to go about it as well. So the first one I want to discuss is this idea of why partners will bottle something up and not talk about it. This comes down to the feeling of having a safe space within a relationship, okay? Now, either someone never had that safe space growing up or they had a really bad experience with an ex-partner where they were constantly being attacked or even abused, um, that when they bring something up, they're attacked. Or you could be someone that makes them feel extremely attacked, who doesn't listen, who, who makes them feel completely invalidated. So it's one of three. It's either their upbringing, a past experience in a relationship that made them being like, fuck, 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 um, conflict equals like a disaster or you are doing it to them. So it's one of the three that's the main the main reason why your partner might bottle something up and not want to talk about it, okay? One more reason why someone might not bring something up or might not want to talk about something anymore is because they have asked their partner time and time and time and time again to do something. They've never done it. They don't listen. They don't show any effort in trying to do it. They say they'll do it, but they never do it. That that person has had it up to here and I'm waving my hand above my eyebrows. They've had it up to here and they cannot be fucked entering that argument again. But in general, for most people, when they bottle something up and don't want to bring it up or when there's an argument and they shut down, this comes down to this feeling of a safe space, okay? They don't feel comfortable bringing the topic up, okay? They feel like they're going to be attacked, belittled, shut down, made to feel like an idiot, made to feel like they're too needy, made to feel like they're too emotional, so they just don't want the drama, okay? They can't handle it. They can't put up with it. Now, you have to ask yourself, is it me who's done that to them? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe there's a big chance there's a big chance that it's not you. But then you have to ask why are they doing this in the first place and why do they not feel safe to talk about it with me? Now, what I recommend you do is that you raise this with your partner, but never raise this during an argument. Don't get into an argument and then say, You've been scarred in the past, that's why you're not Britain. No. You have to speak to them and say, completely isolated when you're just relaxing and say, I notice that when we argue, you don't really talk much about how you're feeling and you really shut down. Do you think it's because in the past, when you used to argue with either your family or uh, past relationships, you felt really attacked to the extent that you felt that you couldn't voice? Now, if you're the person that struggles to talk about it and bottle things up, you need to share this with your partner. You need to say either, you make me feel very attacked when we argue or in the past, I felt very attacked and scared when we argue that it got me to a point where I was so scared that my image was being attacked. Like, you know, people say, you are this, you are that character assassination. Or I feel that the, the, that the relationship is in jeopardy. And so I just quickly bottle it up instead of talk about it. So either your, your image is in, at jeopardy or your relationship is at jeopardy. And you need to discuss that and create this safe space to talk about things within the relationship. I'm going to be rehitting that, that concept of safe space a couple of times over the points that are coming up. But if you don't feel – so like I said earlier – any relationship has arguments, disagreements. You're going to be on each other's toes a few times. It's going to happen, okay? But you have to always feel safe around your partner. 
I can say that the only relationship in my life where I've truly felt comfortable and safe to say what I feel and say it calmly and honestly is with Tyrone. But the only reason that is the case is because I learned a lot of big lessons along the way, okay? And I learned it kind of through doing, but you can also learn it through listening and understanding and talking to other people about it. There's many ways you can learn this. But I never, I you know, in all the relationships I've had in the past, I was scared to bring something up because I thought I would either get attacked, yelled at or dumped. Okay. So I felt like I was treading on eggshells. So you got to ask yourself, am I creating that situation for my partner? And that's why they're bottling it up. Or is my partner creating this situation for me? And that's why I'm bottling it up. And this needs to be discussed outside of the confines of an argument when you're calm. Number two, name calling. Okay. Dealing with your partner who is name calling you or belittling you, or what you do with your life, or what you do with your time is completely unacceptable and inappropriate in an argument. You need to lay down the law with your partner and say, and also you fucking can't do it either. You cannot tell someone to not character assassinate you and then you turn turn around and say you're fucked in the head. You can't do that, okay? So you can't ask for something and then dish out the opposite. So reciprocal You have to sit down with your partner, again, not when you're arguing, at a time maybe after an argument or a few days later and say, one thing that's really killing the relationship is this belittling and the name calling. And in future, if you belittle me or if you name call me, we are putting the conversation on ice. I will walk away and I will take some time out and then we'll revisit either an hour later or a couple of hours later when we've cooled down. But the moment you belittle me, to me, says you've lost your cool. And when you've lost your cool, it means that you don't know how to argue and it means that you've lost all sense of um, rational thinking. And I'm going to give you the science of that at the end of this episode. But it means you've lost all rational thinking. So if you're so angry that you have to name call and belittle and attack me, then that tells me that you have zero capacity to have an adult conversation. Okay, so I'm not abandoning you. I'm letting you. I'm. I'm making you aware that we are. In, we are now entering a timeout period. Okay, from now on, I will never, ever, ever engage in conversation slash argument with you if you have called me a name or belittled my existence or said something about my life or whatever in an attacking way. It is done, okay? I'm more than happy to argue. I'm more than happy to debate things. I'm more than happy to discuss things. But we are talking about things and we are not assassinating each other's character because I draw the line. You do that again, I walk away. Okay, and you set a time frame, and 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 this could be something that you both work on. What if your partner says, "You know what? You're fucking right," and I struggle with it, and I've got to learn. And you say, "Okay, cool. Well, I'll pull you up on it next time. Next time you call me a name, we say, okay, what? That's it. Done. Mm. Set a one hour timer. Go for a fucking walk, and let's." return with a cool head. So I I am going to discuss the science of exactly what goes on in the brain when people get heated and overwhelmed and how that actually limits their capacity to come up with a rational thought and a rational argument. Not all people, but most people. And so that's going to give you a really good understanding of why your partner or you might be a lovely person most of the time, but the moment you get heated and argue, they turn into this really nasty piece of work and it's a bit confronting. And the reason is because they're overwhelmed and their emotions override their logic. I'll go into that later. But that's what you're going to do. Stop sitting through conversations and arguments after they have name called you. It's not okay. And you need to teach people how to treat you. And you also have the added benefit that you have no option but to cool off once you've stepped away. Okay? 
But it is also really important to talk about, uh, well, let's revisit this in an hour. Do not say, I'm done. We're not talking about this anymore. Don't shut it down. Just say this is obviously not an appropriate time to talk about it, clearly. So we're coming back in an hour or tomorrow morning or whenever you set the time frame. But make it appropriate. Don't set it in days' time because then you're on to other things. You've experienced other things. You, you still have to, you know, address it. Okay, number three. The feeling of experiencing a blank mind during an argument. This is the same concept as when someone gets really angry and aggressive, like what I just said about name calling, it's a very similar concept of what goes on in the mind. You become overwhelmed. When you are under stress, things shut down. And that goes for everything in your body. When your body is under physical stress, other parts of your body are not going to function properly. When you are under emotional stress, things are going to start shutting down. And your reasoning is one of the first things to go, okay? You go into survival mode, you get it attack, you get defensive, you retreat. But reasoning is one of the first things to be like, bye, can't, bye. And it goes, it see, ah, disappears. So then you're like, shit, shit, shit. I'm either aggressive, I'm angry, I'm going to say something I don't regret, or my mind goes, zip, blank, blank, and I have nothing to think of to say. I think a lot of people go through that feeling of like, oh my God, I'm so angry. I've got so many emotions. There's so much I want to say to this person, but I can't even speak. Okay. So that's what happens when you get overwhelmed. Okay. You feel so upset or ignored or hurt. But then when it comes down to articulating what you want to say, which is using your prefrontal cortex, which is where all this, you know, um, executive function and forward thinking occurs in that part of the brain, it gets shut down. It gets overridden by your emotional centers, the amygdala, the limbic system, all of that. So if this is the case and you experience a blank mind, I would also say, I would say in this scenario that you need to give, ask for a timeout. You say, look, I need to ask for a timeout. And what you do is you retreat to your own space and you write down what you want to say. Write it all down. I don't care how nerdy this sounds. We're talking about healthy relationships here and and, and in a healthy, comfortable way getting your point across. You say, I'm, I'm struggling to form a thought. I don't want to say something I regret because I'm not coming up with rational thoughts right now. I'm very overwhelmed. Can we just put it put a time out on this. You go and you write down what you're feeling. The moment you retreat, you're going to start to calm down. You take some deep breaths, you start to relax and all the, your logic thoughts come straight. They come flying back in. You write them down. Another beauty of writing things down is that you've got the time to express exactly the words you want to say on paper. Then you come back together either that day or the next day and you say, okay, I'm a lot calmer. This is actually what I wanted to say. I feel uncomfortable when you do X. I wish that you would listen to me when I do this. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever you want, but it's written down in point form and you read it off the piece of paper. You don't memorize it. You take the piece of paper there and say, look, I've written this down. Helps me formulate my thoughts better and I can say what I actually mean instead of being hurtful or instead of not being heard and not getting my point across. That is what you do. A timeout, okay? Number four, the idea of shutting down an argument and telling the other person that they're right because you don't want things to get too heated or you don't want drama. So the problem is never getting addressed and often it then resurfaces in all these other areas again and again and again, okay? Now, your partner or you, it depends who's doing it, might semi be onto something or not. Now, option A they're kind of onto it in the sense that they know that when things get heated, 
with you or in general with other people in their lives or themselves that they say things they're going to regret, they get really nasty, they get mean or it just gets really aggressive unnecessarily. So they're trying to avoid that. The problem is that they've only done half of the job. They've avoided it when they should have but then they don't say, hey, let's revisit this at this time or hey, maybe we should just write things down and then talk like what I said in the last point. So they've done half of it in walking away if it actually escalates and they know it's going to escalate. That's correct. Um, There's never a good time to be screaming at your partner or to be abusing your partner, never. Um, But then they're they're leaving it there and that's a problem. That's a big problem because that then creates all these unresolved problems in the relationship and then you start adding layers and layers and layers and then before you know it, you're married for decades and you hate each other and you're just not getting fucking divorced because you've never addressed anything and there's all these underlying problems in the relationship. Or you've started addressing it and then it gets hated so you shut it down. So then the next day you start addressing something else, it gets hated, you shut it down. That's a really bad way to go about things. And I'm not saying you have to agree, I'm going to talk about this in a moment, but you do have to get to a point where you can both hear each other out and both kind of discuss it calmly. And this is why you sometimes have to write things down. Now, if you are with somebody that you are scared to raise the like any issue or topic because they're going to come down on you like a ton of bricks, then you might be in a toxic relationship. And for that, I would definitely recommend you listen to the episodes about um, toxic psychos and red flags, which is one of the first episodes I ever released. And then you may be with, there's a few ones on like toxic people in your life, toxic duds, all of that. Go back and listen to those episodes because I'm addressing things a bit differently here. In this episode, I am kind of sticking to people that you know, are just having troubles with how they argue in a relationship but aren't necessarily manipulative, abusive or toxic people, okay? That's what I'm kind of covering in today's episode. Uh, If it's somebody that's that you're terrified to raise something with because you're going to be absolutely slammed or abused, that may be something that you need to look at fucking ending okay but that's that there are other episodes for that now number five which is a little bit similar is very similar it's this idea of hating confrontation so you will do anything to even avoid the argument in the first place but you've got to ask yourself it's really important why do you hate confrontation and what to you does confrontation represent because when you are in a very healthy relationship where there's no like character assassination there's no attacking name calling really harsh blaming, you don't really question bringing something up with your partner. It feels pretty safe and comfortable. You have to be like, hey, just a heads up. And you just speak your mind and you're honest, respectful, but honest, you know, and then you're willing to listen to whatever they have to say, knowing that you're not going to attack them no matter what they say. Okay. That's how it should feel. It should never feel anything other than that. You should feel, oh, here's an issue. I'm just going to quickly raise it right now. You should feel like that every single day of the relationship. And that way, nothing escalates to a crazy degree. If you don't feel that way, you have to ask yourself, what is it that makes me hate confrontation so much? Is it because you feel threatened? Is it because you're putting your partner on a pedestal and they get everything they want in the relationship and you're the one who's like always kind of looking up to them, you know, crawling around for crumbs that they give you and if you were to bring something up, then you'd be terrified that the relationship would end. Do you feel like you are always attacked or do you feel like your sense of self is attacked? Do you feel like you are not safe as far as the relationship isn't safe or who you are and your, and your happiness isn't safe? if you were to bring something up. If confrontation represents those things, then there's a big 
chance that you don't feel 100% safe with your partner. And I'm talking about emotional safety here. I'm not saying that, you know, we're not taught, like I said, this episode is not covering, um, you know, like abusive relationships or, or narcissistic or toxic relationships. I'm talking about safe in the sense of you don't feel that the relationship can withstand the argument or you don't feel that you or your happiness could put up with what's going down in this argument. That's what I mean. Like there's no safe space. And if you feel that there is no safe space, then of course you're going to hate confrontation and avoid it at all costs. There is a chance that the reason you're behaving this way is because in the past, like I said, with other people in your life, family, upbringing or other relationships, that's been the case. So you're just pulling this into the relationship. But always ask yourself, what does confrontation mean to me? Because if you are with somebody who is so chilled and like, hey, talk to me. What do you want to say? Talk. And if you struggle to do it because of your past, you need to say to them, listen, I actually am working on this and this is something that I need to meet you in the middle and come to the table with, but I'm struggling. And for, for these reasons or not, but X, Y, Z, it's because of in the past or whatever, I'm struggling and I can't do it. Do you mind if for the next few times that we have a disagreement, whatever, I just, you know, retreat back, write things down and give you the letter? Is that okay? That way you can, I can spend some time writing things out how I want them to be written and that way you can read them without me getting overwhelmed and not being able to explain what I want to say, okay? Because if you have a partner that's understanding and caring, they will want to hear what you have to say because they care about the longevity of the relationship. If the partner is always trying to shut it down and make you feel intimidated, then this is the exact response that they want. They want you to avoid confrontation. I used to, with my ex, ex no, with my ex, I used to avoid the, the really toxic one. I used to avoid confrontation at all costs because of how ugly it would get. It would get, not only would it get so ugly and, and, um, uh, attacking, I would be very attacked and, and his voice would be raised and it would be very bad. But also I would then be given the silent treatment for days and I would think that the relationship is over and I would, I would not know how to contact him or call or whatever. I'd be like literally ghosted for days at a time. So that's obviously on a little bit more of the extreme end of the scale with argue, with how arguments can turn out. But because of that, I then would do anything possible to avoid an argument. I would, I would be seeing that he's doing like the worst things in a relationship, being so disrespectful and I would just eat it because I would rather eat it and have quote unquote peace, which wasn't peace because internally I was in so much turmoil, but I would have this version of peace, if you want to call it that, versus the alternative, which was the silent treatment, ghosting, screaming, abuse, all of that. So you've got to ask yourself, it might not be that extreme, but is there an, an element of this where my partner is manipulating the situation to get it to a point where they know that I would rather not even address it because the confrontation is so much worse? If that's the case, then you need to address that with your partner and say, this is unacceptable and if this is going to continue, then we cannot continue, okay? Call it an ultimatum, call it what you want but we need to fucking readdress this situation because we can't be having a relationship where I'm so terrified to bring something up so only you get heard, but I never do because that is a recipe for fucking disaster. End of story. Now, next one, number six, where my partner plays the victim role too hard. So this is where someone is always playing the victim so intensely and you can't bring them back from it in the sense of like you've done something wrong, you've acknowledged that you've done something wrong and then they milk it for what you are worth. Like they keep going like, oh, I just haven't this. Oh, just. Now there's two, there's two possibilities here. Possibility A, you're a fucking shit at apologising and they know you're not sorry 
And so they're trying to really make it known that your behavior wasn't actually okay and they're not really sure how to reiterate this. So they keep reminding you that they're suffering. That's, that's a possibility. And in that scenario, you do have to listen to them. You do have to lend them your ear and say, listen, did you want to discuss that again? I see that you're not healed from it properly. I do want to get to the bottom of this. You've got to truly show them that you are remorseful for what you've done because you care about the relationship and you want them to feel heard, okay? That's option A. Option B is that you truly are remorseful. You have apologized. You've done everything in your awareness to fix the problem and to let them know that it's not going to happen again. You've taken those steps, but then they keep going on about it and they keep kind of trying to get reassurance after you've given everything you can, trying to get the apology. They want to hear the apology again. Now, when this happens, yes, sometimes it can be a bit of a toxic trait for sure. It could be that, oh, you fucked up. I want to hear it. I want to hear it again. I want to hear it again and again and again. And that's obviously not healthy. But it could also be where this is the time where the person feels the most loved and the most validated. So this is the one time for them where they get that intense one-on-one affirmation that they are loved. It feeds their soul and it makes them want more and more and more of it and they can't let go of it because I don't know what your relationship is like, but it might be a situation where they're like, I never get this kind of intense love and apology and, and I'm giving you all my love and attention right now. So maybe for them, they're not feeling loved or their love language is, is is not congruent or not not you know doesn't line up to your love language so they don't really feel that loved in the way that you express it even if you do love them a lot so then this is the opportunity where they're like oh my god it feels so nice to get all this verbal affirmation from them it feels so nice to have them like they're talking to me reassuring me seeing if I'm okay apologizing so if that's the case then on a separate note you should ask your partner do you feel most loved through verbal affirmation? Do you think I don't give you enough verbal affirmation? And have that discussion with them because it is, I think it's really important to identify how your partner feels the most loved and show them love in that way. It might feel weird initially, but that's how they're going to feel loved. And then ask for the same in return. If you feel loved by them doing acts of service, like unloading the dishwasher, picking something up for you or whatever, ask that of your partner and then say, how can I make your day easier too? How can I make you feel more loved today too? So it's a conversation that needs to be had. But often when someone is milking, 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 they're either it's not a healthy relationship in the first place or that is the one time where they truly feel adored. And then that gives you an insight into maybe this person needs more verbal affirmation just all the time. Maybe I don't have to wait for everything for shit to hit the fan to let them know that I love them. Maybe I should be reminding them that I love them a lot more often. And then when shit hits the fan, they're not going to be so needy for that affirmation because I give them that already. So that would be my advice if one of the two of you is playing this like victim role too hard or whatever. Um, number seven, refusing to stop until you get to the bottom of it. I have a few people say my partner just will not stop till they get to the bottom of it. Or I, a lot of the, a lot of what I heard was I struggle to stop until I get to the bottom of it. Firstly, you've got to ask yourself, what is the bottom of it for you? Is the bottom of it being right? Is it them agreeing with you? Or is it them just seeing your point of view, but you really don't mind if they don't agree? Okay. Is it meeting in the middle? What is it to you? You need to be very honest. And it's okay to say, for me, the bottom of it is being right. I need to be right. They need to tell me you are right. I was wrong. Okay. 
But some people it's not that. Some people it's just I want them to sit down and really acknowledge that they heard everything I have to say and then say how how they feel about it, you know. Now, there are many people out there that are so hell-bent that they are right, like they are sure that they are right and they may be right, but they won't let go of the bone until their partner admits it. But you've got to ask yourself at what cost? At what cost? What is this costing the relationship for me to be right? Now, there are certain things where it is crucial, okay, that they acknowledge something. Like, for example, you might know for a fact that they did something and went behind your back and lied and they are denying it and denying it and denying it. That That's, you know, that's a deal breaker. There are deal breaker situations where it literally breaks the deal. The relationship is over if you can't, if they can't admit to something that you know for a fact that they did, okay? That's one thing. But there are certain things that in a lot of situations in a relationship, everything is subjective, you know, well, not everything, but a lot of things are subjective. And how they say something is different to how you say something. And a big one with this is the division of workload and effort in a relationship. Most of the time, and again, most of the time, definitely not all the time, you're going to feel like you do more than what you actually do. And there might be blatant proof that you do. Like you might literally do all the fucking housework, all the fucking cooking. So then it's very clear. But maybe that person brings more to the relationship emotionally or maybe, who, who cares? But what I'm saying is that in general, people think that they do more than what they do. So it's really difficult to argue with someone that just doesn't see it. And what might often happen is they might be like, okay, yes, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right, okay. But you know that they don't feel the way that you want them to feel. You know that they're not acknowledging what you're trying to say. They're just shutting it down, being like, yes, 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 I acknowledge it, I acknowledge it, shutting it down. So then you might be the kind of person that keeps pushing and pushing and pushing to be like, I really want you to see this. I really want you to hear what I have to say. I want you to tell me that I'm right. And this could cause big problems in the relationship. So what I would say to that, if you're someone that refuses to stop the argument until you get to the bottom of it, is that you need to put a bit of a deadline into how an, how far an argument will go, okay? You've got to state what you want to state. Then you have to allow your partner to state what they want to state and do not interrupt each other, okay? You, you've got to make that clear. You cannot be interrupting each other. Now, once you've stated what each other has to say, then you have to address what each other has said, Okay, so they can address everything you've said and then you go ahead and address everything they've said. But it's got to be this open forum to discuss it. Then once that's been discussed, you say, what do you feel about that? Have, have your opinions changed now that you've heard where I stand from and vice versa? Has anything changed? And you talk about if anything from your end has changed either. Something that's really common in a lot of arguments and the reason it goes on and on and on and on is because when you're arguing, you're looking at your partner while you're really pouring your heart out and you can tell that your partner is just formulating their next argument. That's not fair. And a lot of us do it as well. Our partner will be like, blah, 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 blah. In our head, we're like, oh, fucking whatever, you're wrong. I know I'm right. So in your head, you're like, I'll just use this time while you're just babbling on about being wrong to come up with what I know is right. And then you just hit them. And so you're literally two people talking at a brick wall. Talking at a brick wall, you're getting nowhere. And that's why you refuse to stop until you get to the bottom of it. Because you're getting nowhere. 
It should only, the, the interaction should be simple. I say exactly how I feel and how you've made me feel and what you've done. You now do the exact same thing. I then address what you've just said. You address what I just said in whatever order you want. Then after that, we ask each other, have you changed how you feel because of this? Or have you changed how you feel towards the situation or towards me because of everything I've said? And if there's room for apology, you make an apology. And if there's room for something to be changed, you can say, what do you think I should do differently? And I think, and what, what do I think you should do differently? That all of these things should only be said once. This back and forth of repetition, repetition, repetition only means that you're not listening to each other and it's not a mutual um, respectful conversation that's being had. And again, if that's happening, you need to cool off, write it down and give it to each other and then discuss, okay? Cooling off is kind of like the theme of this fucking podcast. But if you find that you're going round and round in circles, then you're not going to feel like you need to quote unquote get to the bottom of it. If you truly feel that your partner has listened to what you have to say and then spoken back to you what you've told them and acknowledged how you feel, even if they disagree, and told you if they feel any differently towards the situation after hearing your feelings, then you're like, well, at least I know for a fact that it's gone in one ear, stayed in their brain, they've processed it, and they've told me how they feel about it. There's nothing right now to be said. The only thing that can be done is how we progress forward. And that's the final thing you say. How do we move forward from this? You know, do we keep doing what we're doing and getting upset or do we make some sort of, do we meet in the middle in a few things? These are all things that you have to be said, okay? Now, it is okay to disagree with your partner and still continue on, but you always have to create that safe space with each other to be like, you are heard and I'm hearing you. I might not agree with you, but I do care how you feel and I'm going to try my very best to understand you and to, you know, address your concerns and vice versa. Number eight, and this is the really big one, um, the, I, the trying not to cry. This came up probably a hundred times where people cry when they get to a heated argument. And even, even if they're not really sad or really emotional, they just cry and they can't get their point across. This again comes down to this overwhelmment. They've reached their brink of what they, the capacity of what they can deal with in that moment and they just cry because they're overwhelmed and that's how their body kind of expresses or how they emotionally express themselves, okay? And it's very frustrating because it's like I'm not even – a lot of people said I'm not even that sad when it happens. When you cry – you need to, again, say, I can't discuss this right now, but I'm discussing this now. It's really important to never, to, to just not just walk away. You have to say when you're going to readdress it. You can't just say, I can't talk about this right now. Let's not talk about it and then be passive aggressive. Because passive aggressive is arguing, okay? And I'm going to go into that in point 10, but that is what arguing, passive aggression is aggression, okay? So it is important to always address it, even if it's in writing or whatever, but you take your call out time and you address it. You're going to notice that that the, the more you do that, the more you say, listen, I'm getting really, like I'm starting to cry here and I'm not getting my, my thoughts out properly. Just, I need to retreat for an hour. The more you do that, the better you're going to get at at putting your point across in the moment. It's just practice. You have to go there, put your words out on paper or think them through and then approach your partner when you're a lot calmer. This all comes down to feeling overwhelmed. If you feel overwhelmed, things are going to shut down, whether it's anger, crying or your mind going blank. Things are going to go haywire, okay? Step away from the situation and then pull your thoughts together and regroup and start again. Number nine, 
my partner bringing up old wounds. This is a really, really important one. And it's really, okay, bringing up old wounds is a really tough one because a lot of the time I know people say, oh, but I can't talk about this without first addressing this. The only time you should ever bring up what your partner has done in the past is if what they're doing right now is a repeat offence of what they've done in the past. And you need to say, look, you're always doing this because you did this to me last week when I was waiting here. You did it to me last time when I was here and here and here and here. So here are 10 examples of me showing you that I've put up with this many times and I don't want to put up with it again. There's an example of when it's crucial to bring up something they've done in the past, okay, for repeated behaviours that are not working for the relationship. However, what's really common is that you might bring something up with your partner and say, hey, I don't really like how you spoke to me that time or hey, I don't really like that you did this in front of that group of people or whatever and they turn around and say, oh yeah, well what about that time that you cheated on me, rah, rah, like it's fucking goes haywire and they pull up something that should have already been addressed a long time ago that's not relevant to what you're arguing about. That is a no-go zone and that's very, very um, inappropriate in a relationship to be doing that. It's very dangerous to do that because if you've done something wrong in the past but you've really spoken about it and dealt with it, that issue is something in isolation that if your partner isn't comfortable with it, they should raise it again in isolation, not in a new argument about something completely different. They need to be raising it and say, hey, I know you've apologized, but I'm still struggling. Can we talk about it? And then you talk about it because you're a partnership, okay? But if they're bringing it up, but never bring it up in isolation, they only bring it up in an argument about something else, it is their defense mechanism and they're refusing to address what they've done wrong. So they throw in your face something you did wrong to quickly shut it down. That is very, very nasty and inappropriate. And whenever that happens, you need to stop and say, if you truly have not healed from what happened, then you need to be addressing this independently from an argument. And I refuse to address this in an argument. And if you shut down anything that I say to you in the future because of this thing that I did bad in the past, then it means that we can never grow as a couple. Because if you've got this hidden ammunition of this one thing I did in the past, then it means that I can never bring up something you've done and you've got immunity and I'm always in the firing line. So so choose. What do you want? Do you want to be equals here or do you want to have the upper hand where I can never have anything to say and the relationship dissolves eventually? Make a choice. And you give your partner the choice. And if they actually care, then they will calm down and say, you know what? Okay, let's talk about the issue at hand. You cannot be bringing up shit that your past partner has done in the past that is irrelevant to what you're arguing about now. That is mean and nasty. And if it really is a pressing issue and if it really is affecting you, you have to bring that up in isolation when you're both calm and be vulnerable and say, I'm still hurting about this. Can we please discuss it? That's what needs to be done. Never thrown in their face as your defense, okay? You can't fight fire with fire. Now, the last one, number 10, is the silent treatment, okay? This has come up so often where either it's a mutual thing that people do where we don't talk. There was one that I mentioned earlier. We don't talk to each other for three days. Um, And then there was – there's a lot of ones that come up that every time there's an argument, we blow up at each other, nothing gets addressed, and then we give each other the silent treatment or we we are passive-aggressive. Um, for you know the next day or two until something happens that brings us together and then it's just swept under the rug and then all is peachy and well. 
Silent treatment is a form of aggression in the form of passive aggression. I've got a podcast about that, like different forms of aggression. And passive aggressive is one of them. And that's like a a communication style. And it is a manipulation tactic to make the other person feel very uncomfortable. Passive aggressive people are there for a standoff, an emotional standoff. If they know for a fact that you can't bear how uncomfortable the air is between you when they're being passive aggressive, they're going to hold it out as long as possible and get you to be the one that tries to make a repair or get you to be the one that comes crawling back and either you be really friendly or you change the subject or you're like, I love you or let's not fight and you try and repair it in that way even if you don't actually address the issue of what the argument was about in the first place. But that's what someone who's passive aggressive does. They are holding out, holding out, holding out, knowing that it's more uncomfortable for you than it is for them. It's a manipulation tactic, okay? And often it comes down to when their egos are quite bruised and they feel very attacked and they refuse to address the issue, but they also are way too bruised to turn around and be the one to extend the olive branch and try and create some peace in the relationship. This causes long-term damage to a relationship, this passive aggression, long-term. If you're in that situation, you're either going to be in a very unhappy relationship slash, slash marriage or it's going to end relatively soon, okay? So there is no win in a situation where you're always being passive aggressive at each other. That erodes, erodes, erodes and you end up co-living with someone you actually don't really like or you break up. I don't think there should ever be a time where you are arguing and you haven't addressed how you are feeling. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand that sometimes arguments are quite, can be quite large and things have happened or been done or said that are very hurtful. But every time you go to bed, I'm not saying, oh, you know, the next day is a new day and fucking turn the page. You know, I still acknowledge your own feelings and your partner's feelings. But when you go to bed, you should be addressing that you are both working on it. Okay? You don't have to sleep in the same bed if it's been a big enough argument. But it's something that you need to say, look, let's agree that we're going to continue working on this. There's a lot that's been unresolved, but we're obviously here for a reason. We obviously love each other and that's why we're still here right now. So we want to get to the bottom of it, but I'm really hurt right now. And I don't want to abandon you. I don't want to ignore you, but I just need my space. I want to let you know that I am here for the relationship. I am here for the greater good of us, but I just need a little bit of time out. I need to sleep in another bed tonight or I need to go over to my parents tonight or whatever. You know, it's okay, but notice what I'm saying here is you're always conveying your thoughts and your honest thoughts. You're always talking about how you're feeling and where you stand. The most hurtful thing you can do in a relationship is to not convey to the other person where you stand. It is torture, fucking torture, and that's what passive aggression can be. You know, not knowing someone wrote my partner leaves for a day, leaves for the night and doesn't call me and it's the worst thing ever. It is the worst thing ever when it comes to arguments in a relationship because you literally have no idea what's going on and you're going crazy. You're not sleeping, you're not eating, you're freaking the fuck out thinking like what is going on in their head. So I'm not saying that you have to resolve everything before you go to sleep. All you have to do is open up and say how you feel. Say I'm not over it. But I'm here, I'm fucking here and I do want to work, work through it. So just give me some time and tomorrow we can talk about it more. Give them a time of when you're going to talk about it more. 
And that way it puts your partner at ease and vice versa. Tell them to do the same for you if they're the kind of person that always is passive aggressive or ghosts you in, 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 every time there's an argument. Tell them, just say, all I need is for you to tell me where your head is at. I don't need you to get over it straight away because that would be unfair. I don't need you to say, oh, it's all fine and we hug and kiss and make up. If you need time to process, fine. But tell me where you stand. Tell me how you're feeling. Tell me what you need tonight. Tell me what you re- need right now. Repair is everything in a successful relationship, okay? You can bicker and argue and disagree a lot, but if you always repair it, it can actually be quite a successful relationship, okay? If the respect is always there, if you don't uh, name call and scream and get angry and put your partner down, so it's respect, you can still disagree and not come to a you know total conclusion but still understand where the other person came from and aim to repair at the end of every argument or disagreement or fight that you have and it can be a very successful relationship because repair is what is key in every relationship. It's addressing what went down and reassuring that person that you love them. That is what repair is. And this is huge when I talk about attachment theory with parents and children and babies. If a parent repairs the damage, like if they screamed at their child because they got really angry, but then they sat down with their child and said, I'm sorry for yelling at you, whatever, that repair is what starts creating that really healthy attachment style, that secure attachment style. This idea that shit can hit the fan, but I know that that person, my mum, my dad, my carer, my partner, anyone in life is there for me. You know, I feel that I'm supported and I am loved and that's how we get through every single argument, okay? So the main thing you have to ask yourself with your style of arguing in your relationship is, is there significant repair? If there is significant repair and you're able to do all of these things, then you've got a really good fighting chance for your relationship to succeed and flourish and be really amazing. If there is no repair then it's, it's headed for disaster. It's a disaster. Disaster. Now, this fucking episode has gone for a very long time, but I just wanted to conclude with a little wrap-up of what I was talking about, the neuroscience behind um, what happens when you get really overwhelmed. And basically what is happening, and I did pretty much cover this already, but what's happening is that the more emotional you get in the sense of the more you feel attacked or the more that you feel that you have to develop defend yourself or defend an argument, your limbic system, your amygdala lights up in your brain. This is your emotion processing area. This is where fight or flight response occurs. This is where you're thinking survival, survival, survival. So I either need to really defend myself or get on the attack or I need to run away. So when this is really heightened, you start um, releasing a lot of cortisol and cortisol starts inhibiting that connectivity and the free free-flowing thoughts between your prefrontal cortex, which is your logic, your, you know, your calm thinking, your, your forward planning, all of that, linking it to your limbic system. When there's less of that chronic cortisol of stress floating around, you're able to calm down your emotional thoughts with reason through your prefrontal cortex, okay? When you get heightened emotions, that shuts it down. So that link between those two brain regions, your prefrontal cortex and your amygdala slash your limbic system, that link is crucial to have a really nice, 
um, discussion or disagreement with someone where it flows really well, you're speaking your mind, you're not disrespecting each other and you can listen and calmly be okay with letting that person have their word, letting that person have their say because you're calm, okay? The moment you lose your cool, that is your cue to step away. The moment your partner loses their cool, that is your cue to call a timeout, okay? Because not much productive um, chat is going to be had once someone's lost their cool. There is no control in losing your cool. If someone is angry, they've lost control. You step away and vice versa. If you're angry, you've lost, lost control, okay? It's never appropriate. Do not continue the argument. Do not continue in that moment when you're angry, okay? You walk away, you say, let's revisit at X time and you regroup your thoughts and ideally you put them down on paper, on your phone, in notes, whatever, and then you approach it karma. And the best way to do it, I, I think, is to say, I want you to tell me everything you feel and don't interrupt them, just hear them out and then discuss those things and then you do it vice versa, okay? Guys, thank you so much for listening to the episode and sorry for that one-week hiatus, lol. I was on my Engage Moon um, with Tyrone. So good times. I'm back and it's intense. It's going to be intense. And I've got oh, I've got exciting things very, very, very close to the horizon happening very soon. So I can't wait to share that with you in the coming like two or so weeks. So thank you so much for listening. I love you all so much. And as always, remember, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone. And especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.